0: Hey Bungalow Bill, what did you
1: kill? Bungalow Bill, hey Bungalow Bill Well, uh, welcome back to the QAV Podcast, Episode 4, I think this is. Does that sound right to you, Kino? It does.
0: How are you, Cam?
1: Good thanks, mate. How are you?
0: Um, very well, very well. And I wanted to start off today with a with a term you've used in some of your other podcasts, Kiwi Bono.
1: Quick history lesson on that and pronunciation lesson too. It's not Kiwi. I think Tony's uh, hearkening back to Australians. Kiwi at the back. Kui, Kiwi Bono. I, I think it's produ- uh, pronounced in, in the Latin. Actually is... Uh, Made famous as a Latin phrase made famous by Cicero, Marcus Tullius Cicero, contemporary of Julius Caesar's in the uh, middle of the first century BCE in the Roman Republic. In uh, one of his famous writings, he says, The famous Lucius Cassius, whom the Roman people used to regard as a very honest and wise judge, was in the habit of asking time and again, To whose benefit it be? Qui Bono? To whom is it a benefit? Who benefits out of this something? We ask a lot when we're doing our history podcasts. And how it might apply in the Australian uh,
0: situation at the moment. There's a, you, You've heard of Huawei, the Chinese company, and uh, they, they provide a lot of the backbone for telcos around the world. And uh, recently they were banned from building 5G in Australia Um, as well as some of the other Western countries, but particularly Australia is one I want to focus on. Who do you think would benefit? QE Bono means who benefits. Who would benefit from Huawei not being able to build 5G in
1: Australia? Mm, I don't know, Tony. Who would benefit? A company called Telstra, the big telco Telstra. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. Don't they specialize (laughs) in providing bad customer services? They do. That's the business that they're in. Oh my God. Talk to me about that. We will. Uh, but keep going. I have, spe- <laughs>
0: I have spent, I reckon, an hour a day for two months straight trying to get NBN connected to our new apartment in Sydney and also our holiday house uh, on the Victorian Warrington Peninsula every day on the phone to them. Come on, guys. And you get handballed from one department to the other. And every time I talk to people about this, they give me their own horror stories about how bad Telstra service is and they show me screenshots of their phone being on hold for an hour and 20 and things like
1: that. Their service is just appalling. Who benefits Qui Bono?
0: Yeah, so who benefits from Huawei not being able to build their 5G network? Well, you may have heard of another telco called TPG. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just on the back of that rant about Telstra's bad service, I got fed up with trying to get my MBN installed here in Sydney. And within four days, I'd rung TPG and they had a guy around here and done it for me. So... You know, they're they're nimble, they're small, but they get the job done. They're a bit cheaper than Telstra. Um, and, yeah, I can see why Telstra is worried about them. So anyway, so TPG had to come out after the Huawei banning and say, well, we can't proceed with our 5G network because all of our current infrastructure is built by Huawei and we were going to go heavily into 5G as our growth engine. We can't do it now. And so TPG are uh, trying to uh, prosecute a merger with Vodafone at the moment. They may or may not be able to do that, depending on investment review boards and all that kind of stuff. You may not know about Telstra, but uh, Telstra, um, their revenue's down a lot this year, I think something like 30%, because they sold off their copper network to the NBN, the National Broadband Network, uh, a year or two ago, and then suddenly found out that uh, they wouldn't get the revenue from what they sold. So a lot of... (laughs) Really poor planning that Telstra has done for their future. They've just, and, and look at, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that Andy Penn, the guy who runs Telstra, should resign in shame. He's done a terrible job of running Telstra. He's got form. He used to be the CEO of AXA, which was an insurance company in Australia. Mm. And he sold AXA and uh, it was taken over by AMP. So if you were a shareholder in AXA and you're still a shareholder in AMP, you would have seen your wealth just tumble. Since then, he then became the CFO of Telstra, uh, and was there when they sold their copper network to the NBN. So he should know all about what was going to happen in the future. He became CEO after a fairly good CEO of Telstra, David Thodey retired, so David could see that the writing was on the wall and Telstra was going to hit the wall. Handed it over to Andy Penn, and he's been like a deer in the headlights. You know, he's been asked, what, you know, what are you doing to make up the revenue? Uh, that you're losing because of the copper network going, and he basically doesn't have a strategy. He's now come back and said, A, I'm going to cut costs, um, not his costs, of course, the cost of the staff underneath him, and B, we're going to get into 5G. So, maybe I'm drawing a long bow, but I think the, the, the beneficial party in, in Huawei being banned is Telstra. They're going to have a clearer run at 5G, and they're going to, uh, start to plug the gap in their earnings that they, um, that they lost to the NBN. So that's my rant about Telstra. Provides poor service, and I think the CEO is uh, a bit ordinary.
1: Mm, But is he still getting paid his bonus? That's the important thing,
0: Tony. probably. Mm. Probably his bonus and his long-term incentives and all that stuff that goes with it.
1: I did some digging on the question of the Telstra CEO's salary and bonus uh, while I was editing this. According to the Sydney Morning Herald from October 2018, Mr. Penn will be paid a fixed salary of $2.38 million in 2018, plus bonuses totaling two point one four million, making a total compensation of four point five one eight million dollars. Apparently a large number of disgruntled shareholders who'd seen the share price fall over the last couple of years, tried to prevent it, but Telstra Chairman John Mullen defended paying his executives millions of dollars. Nonetheless, so, um, so there you go. It's good good work if you can get it. So today, uh, we're going to look at the financials of Telstra. You're going to help us get our head around their financials and what they look like according to the QAV methodology from an investment perspective.
0: I am, yeah. Uh, and out of disclosure, I, I did own Telstra last year, but I've sold it, um, largely on the back of the poor service that they were giving me. Um, actually funny, <laughs> st- funny story. I, um, I got off the phone one day furious and emailed my stockbroker and, and, said, uh, sell my Telstra shares. This service is lousy. Their service is lousy. And then, uh, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from, from him saying, this is my stockbroker. I'm really sorry. I, you know, I, I bawled out the, the guy who does your account. He, his service will get better. And I said, wait, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> so he, he misread the email as being critical of their service, but it wasn't.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a guilty conscience about it, apparently. He did, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> uh, did uh, yeah. anyone from Telstra call you? Uh, did they notice when you dumped their shares?
0: No, no, they didn't. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I'm, I'm still trying to get Telstra to reverse charges for the NBN off my off my phone bill. So they're charging me for something they never delivered. I think it's time for a raw commission into the telco sector.
1: Don't they know who you are, Tony?
0: Yes, well, you know, I, I told them I was a podcaster and it didn't make much difference. Oh, I think the what? service got worse.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> All right, so where do we start looking at their financials, Kino? Okay, we need to – well, a
0: couple of things uh, running on from last week – uh, I did some research. I think Reuters.com is probably a good site to use for uh, data. Mm-hmm. Um, not as good as the subscription services we talked about last week, but a lot of the data is there. And certainly if someone you know wants to play around with the method and not subscribe to a service until they get used to it, Reuters.com is not a bad place to go. Yeah, so say- their data is free. I also looked up uh, some subscription costs. Um, last week I was going from memory. But uh, Stock Doctor which is one of the services i use costs $1695 per annum uh to subscribe to the Australian financial review costs either 79 per month or 70 or 728 per annum and that fee includes access to their market data which has got uh, most of the stuff we need right and uh also shareanalysis.com charges $800 per annum and has all the data as well and I'll throw in one more, uh, the Constant Investor, um, which I think is now being bought out by InvestSmart, but the Constant Investor costs $272 a month, uh, sorry, a year. Um, that's not, doesn't give you access to the data unless you sort of up the subscription and get the full InvestSmart service. But I subscribe to the Con- Constant Investor as more of a news service because, um, Alan Kohler is the, the head honcho there and he's been reporting business for many, many years, if not decades both at the Age newspaper and then at the ABC and now through the Constant Investor. And um, I like listening to his analysis as well. Excellent. Okay. So the first thing we look at, Cam, in terms of the numbers, actually, I wanted, sorry, I'll just pull myself up there. I wanted to say as well that um, it's, I know that it might be boring for people to listen to me talk about numbers, but I think, you know, over the years it really has improved my investing to. To just focus on the numbers and the scores and to put together a checklist because if you, if you're going on what people tell you in annual reports or tell you in analyst briefings or in the media or whatever, you're really buying their story and they're trying to put the best spin they can on things. And, and you can just see it, you know, in a, in a big company on who's listed on the ASX, the numbers come out. The CFO goes, Oh shit. Shows them to the board. The board turns to the CEO and says, "You've got to spin this. Get out there and sell it." <laughs>
1: and
0: so that's pretty much how it happens. So, you know, if you want to buy a story, go to a bookshop. But if you want to buy a company, <laughs> go go to the numbers. The numbers are the closest thing you'll get
1: to the facts. The one, you know, the example of that that's amused me no end over the last ten or fifteen years is whenever I see the CEO of local newspaper businesses or television businesses or radio businesses telling the media how bright the future for their media companies look <laughs> oh it's going to be great the value in our mastheads tremendous it's so, all, oh, we're going to make some massive changes. You wait and see. And then, particularly in the newspaper business, you just see them roll over every year almost. Yeah. They're gone. Another one comes in and says, oh, it's going to be fantastic. Got such big plans. Yeah. And then he's gone a year later, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's happened. I mean, it's, as you say, happens every year. But the big one lately lately was Channel 9 buying out Fairfax. So it'll be interesting to see how that merger plays out. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: Okay, so Telstra, yeah, cash
0: flow. Okay, so so first one, price to cash flow. Um, again, I went to the Telstra website to their investor centre. They actually provide a workbook um, of their numbers in Excel, so I downloaded that. Um, I did something a bit different to last week with BHP, only because Telstra, I noticed the operating cash has uh, has dropped uh, from year to year. So in the, in this workbook, they show us that. The operating cash flow for Telstra dropped uh, 75% from last year to this year. So rather than try and work out that rolling 12 month figure by, you know, doing all those download the two past reports and add them together sort of thing, I just took 75% of 8.6 billion, which was the operating cash flow from the last half. And I got to a number of 6.4 billion, uh, which is, you know, a bit of a quick and dirty, but it's, it's, Fairly, fairly similar to what I would have got doing the rolling method through through Stock Doctor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Number of shares on that same report is 11.8 billion shares. So the cash flow per share I got was point five four three million, and the share price I used was three dollars twenty eight. So I have a price to operating cash flow of six six point oh four, in fact. Right. Um, so that's that makes it worthwhile investing. Six was our number. Mm-hmm. Six or less is good to invest in. Mm-hmm. Then I started to go through our checklist, and um, if you recall, the, the first four items on the checklist are, is the company a star stock according to Stock Doctor?
1: Well, actually, no, that's not really how I had it written down in my checklist, so... Tony's got his own checklist, which has this star stock business. Uh, Sounds like a reality TV show from the 80s to me. Uh, And the one that he's been explaining to us over the last couple of weeks was a somewhat simplified version. So I got him to drill down on this a little bit. So basically this stock doctor service that he uses has something called a star stock where they do a bunch of analysis on the financial health of a company, and they give it a rating. One of the other services that he uses, Share Analysis, has an A1 and a B2 rating. So when he's doing his own checklist and he has those services available, he checks to see if the stock gets one of those two ratings, an S uh, star stock on Stock Doctor or an A1, B2 on Share Analysis. Now, because many of you listening to this and me included, don't have access to those services. We worked out another way of doing it with freely available data using this Reuters financial data actually, which we'll get to in a moment. But before we do that, here's Tony talking about an Australian athlete called Merv Lincoln and how he came up with the concept of a star stocks, kind of interesting.
0: There was a guy called Merv Lincoln, who was uh, actually an Olympian, I think. He got his PhD in uh, by investigating what makes companies fail. And he went through ASX-listed companies that had gone bankrupt and did some very deep dive analytics on their balance sheets and their P&Ls and tried to work out a set of ratios. Um, and, and I think he came up with 17. And basically, if a company failed on, on one of these ratios, it was in the likely to fail camp. And he reversed it and said, well, if companies don't fall within the parameters of these ratios, then they're likely to succeed. And companies that score well on these ratios will call them star stocks. And so that's what they do. They run through these 16, 17 ratios. They're very detailed stuff. They're basically analyzing in detail, you know, uh, what are the payables the company has? And so in other words, who do they owe money to? how much cash do they have, how quickly can they pay those people, how much cash is coming in the door, what's their debt like, what's their um, equity like, all that kind of thing, and put those into mathematical form, so compared one to the other. It's all fairly arcane. It's available on the Stock Doctor website. But rather than do those uh, calculations by hand, which would be quite laborious, going to the balance sheet and the P&L, they're on the Reuters.com uh, website for Telstra. If you go to Reuters.com and put in TLS.ax in their search function, you'll get Telstra. Uh, and one of the things they have in there is a list of financial ratios, and they use four. They give us readings for what they call the quick ratio and the current ratio, and then long-term debt-to-equity and total debt-to-equity.
1: So for those of you playing along at home, uh, if you go to this... Um Reuters Telstra site. Uh, As Tony says, just Google Reuters TLS.ax and you get there. You'll see a number of tabs, overview, news, key developments, people, charts, financials, analysts and research. Click on the financials tab. Scroll down about halfway, three quarters of the way down the page and you'll see a heading financial strength. That's where these five numbers Tony's talking about are. And I'll put a screenshot up on our webpage so you can just jump there and have a look at them if you want.
0: And they might be, you know, not bad ones to, to look at in terms of trying to quickly get to a financial health for a company. I'm going to give each of these five lines a rating and then give us, uh, add them all up and give us a rating out of um, one for, to put into that checklist.
1: Now, there's a lot of detail that uh, Tony wanted to go into about these numbers. Let me break them down as easily and as quickly as I can. The first one you'll see on that little table is the quick ratio. And Tony tells me that's assets that can be quickly turned into cash, quick ratio, quickly turned into cash compared to current liabilities, which is the people that you need to pay in the short term. Now, he says a good score for that would be 1%. Telstra's score is a little bit less than that. It's uh, 0.76. Not too bad, but not, not the best. And um, like, likewise with the current
0: ratio. So current ratio is current assets over current liabilities. So fairly similar thing, but looking at things with a bit of a longer time frame, so you don't have to convert things to cash quickly. Um, but it's what you build in your balance sheet as current assets, which typically are things like cash and term deposits and things like that you can quickly liquidate. And again, that current ratio should be around one. But Telstra's score here is 0.86. And I've got a fifth one there called interest coverage as well. How much does it cost to service your debt? So how much is your interest charge? And how many times does that fit into your profit?
1: In this case, Tony says the larger the number, the better.
0: Looking at Telstra on this Reuters.com page, Telstra has interest coverage of 63 The industry as a whole has 34. So not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, but Telstra is geared more highly than
1: most of the telco industry. So Tony takes all of these metrics for financial strength on the Reuters site, gives Telstra a score according to each one of those, whether he thinks they're weak or strong, adds up the total scores, divides it by five, uh, which is the total possible score, and comes up with? So it's really a 0.4 score for financial strength. Okay. Further
0: to that, um, as I said before, things like the star stock criteria and stock doctor at look at other metrics, not just those. And they look at things like, is the return on equity high and is there earnings per share growth? And I've picked out those. They do have other ones, but I picked out those two because they're important and they're also available on Reuters. So if I look at the return on equity, here we go. It's under management effectiveness. It's on the same page on the Reuters site that we were on before. And it's 21.4%. So that's that's good. That's a high. That's a, that's a score of one. And then the other thing I wanted to look at was uh, the earnings per share growth. And we said before we found out that the earnings per share had gone down uh, last period to this period. So we're going kind to of give it a zero for that.
1: Now, in case you've forgotten or, or got lost here, what's going on? So Tony is still grabbing all of these numbers off the Reuters site to come up with a quick and dirty calculation to replace the stock doctor star stock rating. He's looking at now seven numbers. We had five before. We've got another two. Now we're going to add all of those scores together. They get a zero or a one or maybe a 0.5, depending on how healthy they are. Then he's going to add those up divide that by seven to give him an overall rating for financial health. If you had access to Stock Doctor, you'd just see whether or not it's rated as a star stock, but because a lot of us don't have that yet, this is another way of doing it. A bit more work involved, but really not that much. Seven numbers you're getting off one page on a website, and uh, a little bit of uh, third-grade math. If the, if the earnings per share is going down, it's not growing, so it can't get a,
0: a score for being a gross stock. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you look at the five-year growth rates, a similar sort of message. It's well below the industry. So I'd probably focus on the earnings per share uh, versus the quarter one year ago. We had five numbers before on financial health. I would mm-hmm. add two more. Was the mm-hmm. return on equity greater than fifteen percent? And that was yes for Telstra, so a one. And is the earnings per share growth greater than ten percent? And that's a zero. So now we have a score out of seven. Yep. We had two out of five, and we're going to add two more. Uh, one of them's a one, one's a zero, so it's going to be three out of seven. So that, that first line in our checklist,
1: it's three mm-hmm. out
0: of seven. So what's at 0.4 roughly.
1: All right, so we finally got there. Uh, seven numbers, added them up, divided it by 7, 0.4. That's just the first line on the checklist. And the next question on the checklist is, is the share price – Beneath the Intrinsic Value. Now, Tony and I had a long conversation here about uh, different ways of doing this. He actually does three numbers here. The first is whether or not the share price is beneath the Stock Doctor intrinsic value. Now, if we don't have access to Stock Doctor, he said you can go to Yahoo Finance, and on there they will have, the the obviously, the, the Telstra.ax page on Yahoo Finance. There they have something called a consensus estimate share price which he said is the same thing as intrinsic value. So that's one way we can get one intrinsic value calculation, compare that to the share price. The other two lines here are the other two ways that we talked about calculating intrinsic value over the last couple of episodes. The first one, intrinsic value one, is taking the current earnings per share and dividing that by your hurdle rate. Tony's hurdle rate is 19.5%. The second intrinsic value, intrinsic value number two, is the future earnings per share divided by the market hurdle rate, 7%, that we've explained how Tony came up with that in our last episode in particular. So we have three lines of intrinsic value now that we're going to look at. The consensus estimate value the current EPS over 19.5% value and the future EPS over 7% value. Did you get that? Clear as mud. Rewind 30 seconds and listen to it again if you have to. You'll get there. The bottom line is Telstra gets a zero on all of them. What's next on your checklist? Uh, Price
0: to book. Okay. So uh, Reuters actually calculates that for us. Thank you, Um, Reuters. Yeah, it's in the valuation ratio section in that same financials tab
1: 2.67
0: yeah so that we're looking for a price to book ratio of 1.3 or less
1: so we get 2.67 here Mm -hmm. yeah so we want 1.3 so it's above it's nearly three times more than the share price Mm. so zero yep okay does the share price has have a positive trend i have next do we have graphs here
0: we do, yeah, it's in the Overview tab on Reuters. Long-term trend's down, but it is kicking up at the bottom there, which is interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going to give that a one.
1: Okay, because it's sort of been going growing since the beginning of this year or late last year.
0: Yeah, so what I'm looking for, this is this is actually a, a case where it, it comes into play. There's a thing in graphing called the three-point trend. If I take the three highest points on this graph, or the two highest points, first of all, mm-hmm. Um can, can I create a third one? And the, this uptick in the graph hasn't quite gotten there, but it's getting close. So you' looking f- you'd be looking for it to cross the line made across
1: those two the top two high points. Let me do that again. This is new to me, might be new to you too. So basically get a ruler, put it on the graph, uh, put the, the, the top of the ruler on the two highest points on the graph and see where the price is now. Is it above the top of the ruler or not? In this case, it's getting very close to it. Not quite, but getting close to it. Share price is ticking up towards that trend line, which is a,
0: a buy signal. Right. And likewise, uh, if we are if we're looking mm. for a sell signal, if we go back to 2014, 2015, where the share price is going up, mm-hmm. and if you draw a line between the, the low points, the troughs in that graph... Mm-hmm. Um, you can see where, around um, the middle of two thousand and fifteen, it dropped below that trend line, and that was a sell signal. Ah, uh, okay.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm not a big fan of of investing by grasp, but um, this three point trend line hasn't has been pretty good.
1: I'll use that to sound intelligent in my next dinner party, <laughs> high society dinner party. When it comes really? to three point trend lines, no, I don't get invited to dinner parties. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You've seen how I live. We're eating garbage out of bins in the alleyways. Well, that's a dinner party. So you can, you can, kind you can, of dinner party.
0: You can turn to Fox and say, did your dinner make a three-point trend graph?
1: Fox, for people who don't know, is my four-year-old. Um, <clears throat> is it the lowest P.E. in the last three years? If
0: you go into valuation ratios in mm-hmm. Reuters on the financial tab, mm mm-hmm. They have PE high for the last five years and PE low for the last five years. Mm-hmm. So the current PE ratio is 12.5. The PE high for the last five is 18.1. PE low is 8.56. So it's sort of sitting in the middle. So it, gets, it doesn't get a score for being a record low PE.
1: Next one I've got is growth of earnings. Growth of the earnings per share to PE ratio to be no more than 1.5.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we know that... Uh, the earnings growth is negative, so it's not even worth doing that calculation. It's going to be a zero. Ah, okay. remember, remember we saw uh, earnings per share was down 25% or something? Yep. Yeah.
1: Right. So it's so not growth, growing.
0: No. Growth is negative. Even if you put over the PE, you're still getting a negative, so it's right. not growing. Yep.
1: Does the company have a consistently increasing equity? Yeah. So... I got this from
0: the Telstra website at the end of their annual report, and you often find this at the end of annual reports. Um, (laughs) They give you like a five-year snapshot of the balance sheet just to be able to compare things. So Telstra website, go into the Investor section, download the annual report, it's page 149, and the heading
1: is Reference Tables. Oh my God, this is a big document. Yep. Yep. Lots of pretty photos of yeah. very happy-looking Telstra customers. Tony, how does that uh, compare? Did they ask to take your photo? No, strangely enough. No. Uh, why are these people all so happy? They might maybe, know, they're using,
0: uh, maybe they're using TPG. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear
0: me. Andrew Penn looks happy. Why is he so happy? you got paid his bonus for doing nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for running it into the ground. Uh, what page am I looking at? 100 and what? 147 That's 149 actually 148 okay. some happy looking guy looking at a, an iPad yeah in a bakery in a bakery mm. yeah, yeah with a hipster hipster haircut <laughs> yeah. Hipsters love Telstra look it's proof <laughs> hipster bakers artisan mm. he's an artisan baker loves Telstra can't see what's on his iPad might be happy <laughs> might be flappy birds or pappy pigs or something it's a t- he could be looking at porn. That's why he's it's happy. A, it's a TPG sign up page. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm cancelling my Telstra account. I'm so happy. <laughs>
0: His fingers are crossed. He's hoping the Wi-Fi lasts long enough to it's sign a, up to TPG.
1: It's one of those games where you get to throw eggs at Andrew Penn. <laughs> anyway, uh, this- equity. Uh, where's the equity here? Oh, total equity way down total, yeah, equity. total equity okay F- 15014 million in 2018 billion. going up from billion. last year oh, yeah if you read this from right to left like the
0: rightmost column is 2014 so 13.9 mm-hmm. billion rising to 14.5 rising to 15.9 going back to 14.5
1: went up for a couple of years then down and still not back to where it was yeah, correct. Okay. So a zero for that one. Mm. Okay. Next one I've got. Is the PE less than the yield? PE ratio 12.52. Dividend yield is 4.6. Correct. Very much a zero, right? Yeah. PE is much higher than yield. Yep. Is the yield higher than the mortgage rate? Mm-hmm. No. Well, 4.6, no. 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 So it gets a zero probably there. Yep. Is the financial health from the subscription services steadily increasing? Uh, is it stable or increasing, I think, is the checklist item.
0: So I, I outlined before about the financial strength, um, and we gave Telstra, I think, 0.3 or 0.4 or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to find any other info on Reuters that gives us a trend mm-hmm. for that. So I can tell you from Stock Doctor it's it's been stable. It's It's been a strong financial rating now for years and years.
1: Okay. So it gets a, a one on that. Yep. Okay.
0: But I haven't been able to to work out a way of doing that analysis easily from Reuters.
1: Okay. Is my forecast intrinsic value more than two times the current share price? Now, my forecast intrinsic value was 2.81. Yep. And the current so share price is 3.28. Mm-hmm. So that's so- a... No. Zero. Yep. Is it one of the uh, top 10 ASX stocks, and if so, is it the most undervalued? Or? It's a top 10 ASX stock, mm. and it doesn't even meet our value, so it's not undervalued at all. Okay. So it's a zero. Is mm-hmm. the price per share divided by the cash per share less to or equal to six? So oh, we did this right at the beginning, right? Yeah, correct. It's, it's 6.04. That's pretty close. Yeah. Yep. Give it a that's one? Equal to six. Yep, that's right. Okay. Is the CEO an owner or founder of Telstra, Tony? Andrew Penn. No. You sure? Nope. He hasn't bought Positive. the whole thing?
0: Nope. Okay. <laughs> he might when the share price goes to zero, but yeah, not now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe that's his plan. He's got a cunning plan. Is. Yeah. <laughs> um, is the intrinsic value going up in the future according to your services or the share analysis website? It's not. No. Okay. Is there any way we can tell that from Reuters?
0: No, I don't think there is. Um, Not that I've found anyway, so
1: yeah. Now we can total the
0: score. Mm -hmm. I've got 4.4. 4.429, yeah. 4.429. Divide that by the um, number of items in the checklist.
1: 17. 26%. 26%. Is it 75% or above is uh, (laughs) what we want to know. No, Mr. Penn. No. Okay. No. Okay.
0: And, and the last thing we do, which we probably don't need to, but I would put that company score, the checklist score, over the price to cash flow. So 26% divided by 6.04. and That's that's my marrying of both value and the checklist. Yeah.
1: And we get 0.04. Mm. You um, want it to be so point 0.1 or above. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Not that we're giving any advice. Don't we're not. listen to Tony and take advice. We're talking about methodology. Not advice. He's not saying do or don't. We're saying this might be one way that you could theoretically, if you were so inclined, go about making your own decisions, which you would then go and check with a financial advisor before you invested your money or not. Correct. Or sold existing investments if you should have them. We're just saying this is a way of analyzing whether or not it would appear in Tony's world to be a good enough investment for Tony Kynaston, Anthony Joseph Mackenzie Kynaston. Uh, Wesley. Wesley, really? Yeah, my father's name. Wesley. Is it uh, mm. because of uh, – was he Wesley- Wesley-ist? <laughs>
0: no, he wasn't. Okay. But apparently when, um, when he was born, he was born in a Catholic hospital in Mackay and his mother had to fight to get the name Wesley on the birth certificate, because the Catholics didn't like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she had to fight. Yeah, they tried to talk yeah. her out of it. No, they did. No, you can't. No, you can't call him that.
0: Wesley. This is a Catholic hospital. You can't <laughs> call him Wesley.
1: <laughs> oh, the Catholics, the uh, bastions of morality and integrity in Australian society, and empathy, and oh, uh, yeah. all of those things. That is yeah. a plug for our book, The Psychopath Economy. Google it. <laughs> if You want to read it? All right. Well. All right. Job well done, Tony. Um, I, I'm slowly getting my head around this. Um, you know what I've found is I have to edit the show for a, a day, listen to what you just told me three or four or five more times, and it starts to sink in because I'm slow. But um, it's gr- well, it's not just
0: that. This is boring going through numbers, and, and I think. For at least the next couple of episodes, we might do some talking rather than just analysing numbers again. Yeah, um, and I do want to tell people Cameron's doing a masterful job of editing this because uh, it's it's yeah it's quite dry. So you're doing a good job to pull it all together, and make it more interesting.
1: Thanks. That's how I earn my living. Uh, that's yeah, why I that's why I earn the big bucks, Tony. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is how you invest them.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, I tell you, um, I was out to lunch on Sunday with my twins, who you know, and and Taylor's girlfriend and one of their best friends, Cooper. And Cooper has some money. I think he's inherited from his parents and he's worked. And um, sh- no, sh- it wasn't Cooper. It was Chris. Sorry, shout out to Chris if he's listening to this because he said he was going to listen to it. And um, he and the boys are very excited about learning everything that you have to teach and, and becoming proficient at it. And for me, you know, to see see a handful of 18-year-olds go, yeah, fuck yes, we're going to do this. We're going to learn this, mm. become good at this. Oh, it's so exciting for me because I wish I'd, <laughs> I wish I'd had a Tony Coniston <laughs> in my life when I was 18. It would have made a huge difference, you know, to um, have somebody who could impart this kind of information to a young fella. So, um, I, I, on behalf of them, I thank you for your, your time and effort.
0: Well, you're welcome, and they're welcome. And it, it, it you know, I think it's great to see them doing that and to, to take an interest in their finances and their future. Mm. It's, it's really heartwarming. That's good.
1: Yeah, and you know, they, they've obviously learned. They've learned a lot from me over their life. I think about how to. Um, do crazy things, uh, which there's value in that, I think. Um, But uh, this is one thing they haven't learned from me because I don't know it. So, yeah, you're you're adding value. That's great.
0: And look, one additional point, and I I guess uh, they could take it on board, anyone could take it on board who listens. This checklist is my checklist, Mm -hmm. um, which has evolved over time. And the beauty of doing financial analysis using a checklist is if I – if I suddenly think about or hear about somebody else's idea for investing, I might add a row to the checklist or take a row out. Uh, I might do some regression analysis and say if I had have done that in the past or change the checklist by this one or two items, would I have had a better result? And that's how it, it evolves. So the boys don't have to follow this checklist by rote. If they understand the concept and the process, they might decide
1: that they can improve on it. Mm. And I hope they can. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Tremendous, Tony. Well, thanks, mate. I'll talk to you next week, and we'll do something maybe a little bit different next week. All right. Thanks, mate. Well, I hope you enjoyed Episode 4. Again, a lot of detail there. I understand that. A lot of numbers we're talking about. If you're not uh, sitting down with a spreadsheet and working along with this, that's fine. Uh, you can just uh, do that at a later stage if you want. You can go back, listen to it when you have the time. But you get there. Hopefully, the the more you listen to this, you get the general idea of the kind of things Tony looks at when he's analyzing these companies, the sort of items in terms of the cash flow uh, that he's looking at and uh, the the ratios and why that's important, the financial health and all those sorts of things. And again, I'm, I'm still sort of... Impressed by the fact that this is something that anyone can really do. You don't need any background in anything, really, to do this. Uh, Tony's method is just publicly available information. You're looking at a dozen or so, 15, 17, whatever it is, numbers, and um, adding them up. Really? Easy. Anyone can do that. But again, as we said before, don't take any of this as financial advice, Go speak to a financial advisor before you make any investment decisions. And we'll be back next week. As we said, something a little bit different. Going to be talking to another friend of ours who has a bit of a different approach to investing. But that's next week. Talk to you then. Be nice to each other.